Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. Uh, my name is Seb Stott and I'm sat here with Tom Marvin, Hello. who you will be very used to hearing if you know of this podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking about mountain bikes and we're going to be talking about the most kind of cost-effective ways to improve the performance of your mountain bike. So these are like free to inexpensive upgrades, which some of them make a really big difference. Uh, so we're going to go through that little list we've prepared, and hopefully you can uh, pick up something which might, you know... Improve get... your experience. Exactly, yeah. 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 I mean, mountain biking isn't known as the cheapest of sports. So, Definitely um, not, no. Hopefully, yeah, a little hints and tips to get you the most out of, you know, out of your mountain bike. Yeah, because upgrades are often, you know, really expensive. You mm. know, like... Let's have a new pair of forks, £900. Yeah, new set of carbon wheels, £2,000. It's mm. like, these are very marginal gains for very unmarginal amounts of money, mm. um, which is good grammar there. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> See, the... I've got an English degree. <laughs> I haven't, now. I've got a Scottish degree. Um <laughs> Which is why it was free. So um, anyway, uh, <laughs> very odd boast there. Um, so the first one, should we get just get straight yeah, into it's, it? Let's crack through. So the first thing is is maybe less of an upgrade, but more of a kind of piece of advice, which is to look after your drivetrain. Mm. So this is keeping it clean when you can. You know, maybe using some degreaser or something when you wash your bike to really scrub it clean, and then use good quality chain lube. Yeah. This makes a really big difference uh, to how much, to not only how long it lasts, 
So if you if you look after your drivetrain, yeah, it's a bit more work, but it will last way longer. So it kind of saves you money yeah, rather than costs you money. It's time and investment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but also there's a performance benefit to doing that as well. So um, Friction Facts, who are a who were a um, a lab which tested um, drivetrains for drivetrain efficiency. Um, before they were bought by Ceramic Speed. Mm. This is when they were independent. They run a test of lots of different chain lubes. Everything from like WD-40 to like, you know, the high-end boutique chain lubes. And in their tests, which were quite specific, so, you know, they maybe didn't take into account of every type of, yeah, of course, contamination yeah. that your drive can have. But they, they identified differences of like three or four percentage points mm-hmm. between different chain lubes. And this is this is between like one, you know, proper chain lube and another could could be as much as a few percentage points difference. Yeah. And, that, and you know, a few percentage points may sound pretty marginal, but if you think about the effect that has on, let's say, your power to weight, if you want to improve your um, power to weight ratio by, you know, you could improve your power to weight ratio by 2 or 3% by changing a dry, your chain lube. Yeah. Whereas if, you know, if you want to improve your power to weight by dropping weight, you know, losing four kilos. Yeah. So if you combine, if you combined weight of bike and rider, it's about 100 kilos. Mm. Certainly is in my case. Um, yeah. You'd have to lose three or four kilos to gain the same. And that's that's just not even possible. Yeah. And, and especially considering like a carbon frame might weigh 500, 600 grams less than the alloy equivalent mm. and cost maybe a thousand pounds more. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about a much bigger difference than that in terms of climbing speed. I mean, the drivetrain care for thing is something I'm I'm particularly bad at. You know, yeah, like I, I I've can't, noticed. <laughs> I just I feel you know like I can't be bothered. You know, get back from a ride, it's it's you're wet through, you're covered in mud. Give the bike a spray with a jet wash. <laughs> I shouldn't do that, um, and I just leave it. And then you know, a couple of rides later, you're sort of riding along, and you can just you can just feel through the pedals, that everything just feels a little bit grim, a little bit slow, a little bit sluggish. You're like, oh, bloody hell. And then you put a bit of lube on, and it it's a palpable difference in the feel. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. I mean, there may be some placebo going on in sure. there as well, but, like, there are measurable differences. Yeah. And and th- this test I was referring to is just is comparing immaculate brand-new chains huh. just with different chain loops. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a measurable difference there. Yeah. Uh, which, when you compare it to weight savings, is it kind of blows that out of the water mm. as a way of going faster. Mm. Um, and then, whereas if you compared, if you also included the variable of, like, how worn is your chain, mm-hmm. how worn are your chain rings, and how dirty is your chain? If your chain is, like, dirty, rusty, and not lubricated at all, imagine how much difference that makes when just changing chain loop can make a few percent yeah, of difference. Yeah. It's kind of um, like getting into fresh bed sheets, isn't it? You put fresh bed sheets on and it feels incredible when you get into bed. Yeah, yeah. Once you've cleaned your drivetrain, put a bit of lube on there, a bit of TLC, oh, it feels silky smooth. It's lovely. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it's compared to any other upgrade I can think of, it's it's massive difference. Yeah. Um, what's, yeah. what's next on your list then? Um, so the next one is tire pressure. Yeah. So the, again, this is something that is pretty much, you know, it's free. It just takes a bit of time to mm-hmm. check your tire pressure. Um, if you want to call it an upgrade, I would say get yourself a digital tire pressure so you can check your tire pressures accurately, consistently every time. Yeah, and 15, 20 quid. Something like that, yeah, for a good one. And you can take it with you on a ride. So if you get a puncture or you burp some air, you can pump up your tire with a tire pump, with a 
hand pump mm-hmm. and then check your pressure to make sure it's in the right mm-hmm. in the right area because i think so many punctures are caused by people who've got a bit lazy and not put enough yeah, air yeah. in the tire or they've gone oh that feels a bit bouncy a bit firm i'll just take some air out with my thumb just and like you might have let out like 10 psi you don't know and you might be running like 15 psi and be surprised that you get a puncture or something yeah um, so, so, yeah, being just being a bit precise. You don't have to measure to like the nearest tenth of a psi, but if you're fairly precise in about right your pressure, at least it will make your bike's handling more consistent. I think the the important thing with tire pressures is to get them working for where you're riding, the way you ride, and the size of the tire. And one, you know, a few years ago when these plus tires started coming out, you know, two point eight inch and all that sort of stuff. It, it became really noticeable that your wind, your operating window of pressure was really narrow. Really yeah. narrow. I would, say, you know, I would say that on, you know, like on a regular two point two or two point three inch tire, you could get away with a window of like a good five psi either way. Really. Yeah. And okay. Like if you're yeah. super analytical, you can you can definitely feel the difference, but you could get away with it with a plus tire. Five psi different made unbelievable change. Yeah, I think that's because a plus tire, a bigger tire is a bigger part of your bike's sort of overall yeah. kind of bump. Yeah, I wouldn't really call it suspension, but your kind mm. of bump compliance. Um, so, you know, it becomes more critical where you have a bigger tire. So along with the whole, you know, making sure your tires are probably pumped up, make sure you've got a tire pressure that works well for you and what you're doing. Oh, totally. Like, uh, it's it's not like a plug-and-play upgrade in the sense of, like, buying a, I don't know, a different handlebar or something mm. like you will have to be yeah you, you will have to kind of work on it a bit and work out what tire pressures work for you but i think for, for my money i would say you want the lowest tire pressures you can get away with where you're not puncturing you're not denting your rims you're not kind of bottoming out the tire on the rim mm-hmm. and you're not getting it kind of squirming laterally in the corners and are we talking here more about trail enduro riding rather than yeah i mean when you're when you're on really smooth surfaces, for sur- for sure, having a lower tire pressure will give you more rolling resistance. Yeah. Resistance, so it's slower. But when you're on bumpy surfaces, yeah. it can kind of be the other way around. That a, a harder tire gives you more more resistance you because hanging off things and bouncing off things and yeah, and basically you're putting more energy into the suspension mm. uh, as the as the wheel is moving up and down more. Um, so the whole kind of you know, pump your pressures up high and you'll go faster. Only really a prize on really smooth surfaces like tarmac. Whereas if you're on off-road, I wouldn't worry about that because it's very complicated and, and can 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 go the other way. Yeah. Um, so you might as well maximize the grip and the comfort of your tires by running the lowest pressures you can where you don't run into problems. Yeah. Happy days. Uh, so the next thing is... Uh, Suspension setup, getting your suspension setup correctly is obviously massive. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a video on that. If you search like 10-minute mountain bike setup, you can. Uh, I've got a kind of a, a video which shows you a basic technique to get it in the right ballpark. Um, but the other one is servicing. So okay, similar yeah. to the drivetrain thing, it's uh, it will make your suspension components, your fork, your shock last way longer. So it, it kind of saves you money in the long run. And are you suggesting do it yourself? Because it can be quite daunting, like dropping the lows off a fork or yeah, playing yeah. around with a high-pressure rear shock. I get that, yeah. you. Um, there's lots of instructions online. And, um, for example, a, a basic service on a RockShox shock, 
Uh, SRAM have really clear instructions online. Mm. You can find them very easily. And um, the service kit for an air can, a rear shock, I think costs about £10 yeah. in the UK. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, RockShox recommend you do that every 50 hours of riding, which is maybe a bit bit optimistic. It's every 12 rides. Yeah, it's, but, I mean, most people, I think, do it way less than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so not only will that mean your shock is more likely to get damaged and, you know, you'll need a new shock, mm. so it's kind of a false economy to not do that. Mm. But also it will improve the sensitivity of the suspension quite quite yeah. dramatically, and even more so with the fork. So servicing your fork will make a huge impact on on the performance because it will increase the sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Um Quite often, I think people buy these like aftermarket upgrades for the fork, like you know, uh, a third party you know produces a, a damper or a spring mm-hmm. upgrade for for a fork, and you get that installed, or you hear about people getting them installed and saying, "Oh, it's, it's revolutionised his mm-hmm. ride." But when you get it installed, inevitably the fork has to be taken apart and serviced. And serviced. So it's maybe it's the service that makes that difference that people yeah. talk about. There's a, certainly an element of Emperor's New Clothes going on with it too. But um, yeah, like servicing your fork makes a massive difference. Mm-hmm. It's like the bedsheet analogy. You kind of don't notice the deterioration because yeah. it's so gradual. You get but used the, to the smell. You get used to it, yeah. You get to kind of love your own smell. Mm. But then when, when you get new bedsheets, it's like, oh, this is so much better. Yeah, yeah, That and, fresh summer fruit smell or your, your, auto, you know, your meadowy smell when you get in bed. It's lovely. Well, yeah. I've not been in your bed, Tom, but I imagine it's lovely. Um, just, just say the words. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so suspension servicing, mm-hmm. definitely worth it. Um, so the next, the, the upgrade everyone talks about as being like the first upgrade, like proper upgrade, mm-hmm. spend your money, is set of tires. Yeah, it's got to be. Um, and so I've, I've tested like 20-odd tires last year, and it kind of, it kind of got me thinking that, there's almost no such thing as a better tire because almost everything you do to a tire will make it better in one way and worse in another. Mm. So you can make the compound softer and that will make it stickier, but it will make it slower mm-hmm. and wear out faster. And every, that, that's true of every kind of aspect of a tire. So there's no such thing as a better tire, but you, what you, you want to get the tires that are most appropriate for the riding you do. Yeah. And that makes a huge difference. You know, if, if you're riding in mud all the time in kind of normal summer tires, you're... Yeah, you're yeah. not going to have a great time of it. Yeah, or at least you're making it much harder than it needs mm-hmm. to be. What um, your um, point? Of, what are your favourite tyres at the moment? What are you running? Um, I'm still a big fan of the Schwalbe Magic Mary. Mm. So they've got a 2.6 inch version out now, and just because it's a little bit bigger, um, it's uh, I think that's a phenomenal tyre for um, kind of all round traction. If you're not too worried about rolling speed, summer and winter, or yeah, I'd run it, run it in the mud, run it in like dusty, kind of rocky terrain. Uh, if I was just going to ride in mud, I'd probably have a shorty, max mm-hmm. a shorty. Uh, and then if I want something a bit faster rolling, like a, a Minion DHF or something like that. But, I mean, it depends on what you're riding. Yeah, and where you're riding it. and Yeah, yeah. What about you? What's your go-to tyres? Uh, I've been running um, over winter shorty on the front Yeah, and a Minion on the back, DHR. Yeah, it's all right. Um, and in the summer, I'd probably put a DHF on the front, take the shorty off, just because. But I'm a, I'm the same. I actually really like um, a Magic Mary, so I've got um, like a, a soft soft compound one. Um, can't remember what width it is. Yeah, two six, I think actually. Yeah, and great, great front tire. 
But yeah. that little bit of OCD in me likes to have matching tyres, Maxis front and back. So yeah. Which, you know... It's all about the, being a brand snob, isn't it? Well, I, well, no, no, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't <laughs> say that's a snob. That's an OCD. I like, I like my, my, my brands matching. And I've not yeah. really... I think for a rear tyre, I want a, tire, a rear tyre that's got good braking traction, but predominantly is reasonable at rolling. And I'm, I'm not really... Uh, I've run a Mary on the back. It's not really for me. And mm. I don't know what I would run from Shawby on the back. I think the new, uh, the new hands damp is good. Yeah. Much better than the old one. Yeah, definitely. I think that um, one thing to, like, as you said, there's no, like, correct tyre. Mm. But um, I think one thing I would say is quite a good idea for most riders is to have a slightly faster rolling tyre on the back than yeah. the front. And loads of people do it. But uh, most bikes, well, I'm not sure if most bikes, but a lot of bikes still come with the same tyre front and rear. Mm. I don't think that really makes much sense because your front tyre... They do different things. It does different things, exactly. Your front tyre needs more grip. Yeah, and your rear tire handles more of the weight mm. when you're when you're going uphill, certainly. So rolling resistance is more more critical on the rear, yeah. and grip is more critical on the front. So I think having the same tire front and rear doesn't make much sense. Mm. But hmm. yeah, that's the only thing I would say is like a hard and fast, or well, not hard and fast rule, but as a general rule. Yeah. If you want to know more about tires, we did a uh, mountain bike tech talk podcast. Many months ago, about wheels and tires, didn't we? Yeah, um, talking about a lot about tire size, tire volume. Yeah, but that'd be worth you know if you're interested in in, in tires, um, go to your podcast provider and and have a search through previous bike radar podcasts. Lovely, good plug. <laughs> Next, I think that's it for like cheap upgrades. Okay, I thought it might be worth talking about how not to upgrade your bike. Yeah, the things that probably won't make much difference. Yeah, okay. Like I think I think the main one that was talked so a few years ago, a lot of people gave the advice that a stiffer set of wheels or mm. a lighter, tighter set of wheels will kind of give you a new lease of life to your bike. Mm-hmm. And that was maybe true to a certain extent of the early 29ers yeah. that had non-boost, really narrow rims, and as a result had kind of a vague sort of flexy, flexy wheel feeling. Um, so rightly or wrongly, you know, that was recommended mm. by a lot of places. I think nowadays that we have boost wheels, wide rims, pretty much all wheels are stiff enough. So you you don't need a carbon rim for stiffness. That's that's if anything, that's a disadvantage. But really, yeah, I don't think it's a big deal at any rate. And also the the lightness of wheels, I think, has been overstated. Uh, sorry, the importance of light wheels has been overstated. So. Um, we did a we did a podcast about weight we a did, while yeah. ago. Yeah. But the so basically if you compare uh the heaviest wheels you can buy for kind of let's say enduro wheels, uh maybe weigh twenty two hundred grams for a mm. really kind of porky set of alloy wheels. You might be able to get a carbon wheel set for like eighteen hundred grams. Mm. You're talking like four hundred gram weight difference between like the heaviest and the lightest in a given category. But that's not that's still not that big a deal. Even if you're talking about acceleration, it's you're talking about less than one percent difference in overall acceleration speed. I think there's a I think there's a feel thing going on that is maybe more difficult to quantify. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Somet- sometimes I think the fact that high end wheels have more points of engagement in the free hub yeah, yeah, and yeah. they have louder free hubs. That's one of those that makes them feel faster. I think that's one of those things that's often not talked about enough is you know the pickup from the rear hub certainly in a racing or trying to go fast context is something that is 
maybe ignored a little bit? I think I think that the the faster engaging free hub doesn't make you go faster. No, it makes you feel faster because it has a higher pitched noise when you're coasting. So it makes you mm. makes you feel like you're going faster. I think, I think there is a th- I, th- I think there is something in well maybe it's psychological as much as anything else as you say, but a quick pickup on a hub. The in, lack in, of lag. Yeah. The dead stroke. I think you yeah. know, like I would definitely pick a wheel that's got a quicker pickup than one that doesn't. Yeah, I think it it has a like more of a quality feel. Like generally mm. in anything, whether it's like, I don't know, a sound system or a car, if it has more play, if there's play in the steering or mm. play in like a button or a, a dial yeah. on a stereo, it it kind of gives a, a low quality sort of poorly put together sort of feel. And I think that's it's, it's partly psychological, but I've tested wheels that have like really low points of engagement and well, you can really notice it in the car park. I think out on the trails, I just sort of tend to forget about it personally. Maybe okay. maybe that's just me. Yeah. But I think I, I do agree that that's one of the main differences you can notice mm. between a low end and a high end wheel. But I'm not really, I wouldn't suggest to anyone to spend an extra two grand but I think on the a thing, set of wheels that has that crisper engagement feel. I think the thing to remember is that free hubs can be, you know, if you're talking about little upgrades you can do. You know, if you've, if you've got a wheel yeah. with, like, poor engagement, you can upgrade a free hub, especially if it's, you know, like a lot of hubs are based around a DT Swiss system. Yeah, they are, and you can upgrade the ratchet. Mm. But DT Swiss don't necessarily recommend you do that because the 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 finer mechanism with more points of engagement is less reliable, mm. and they're very open about that fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and unless I'm riding, like, trials... I don't think I really noticed much benefit. I'd say I noticed the difference when we're doing trail bike of the year. The yeah. wheels with the faster engagement just have that, whether it's a psychological quality feel or whatever it is, it was certainly a point of difference between. Okay, yeah. But yeah, we're, we're, we're splitting hairs, we're splitting hairs. Okay, okay. But would you agree that, you know, wheels can be a bit, you know, like buying, you know, spending two grand on a set of... Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't spend two grand on a set of wheels. Yeah. Personally. I think... I don't really see why you do that, personally. Other than that you want it to look... You want it to look peng. And that's all right, actually. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, people If you want to spend two want. grand on your wheels, spend two grand on them, but don't feel that you have to, to get the best performance. Yeah. I think that's probably a fair summation. Yeah. Um, what, else, uh, what else are you suggesting there, Seb? Um, I think weight savings generally are... So I think we did a podcast on the road... Mm-hmm. With Simon, where you're talking about weight, yeah, how weight is not very great way to to go fast on a road bike. Mm. I think the same is true on a mountain bike. Like, yes, lighter is better. You will you will climb faster with a lighter bike, but if you if you do the maths on the amount of weight you can save and the amount of money it will cost you, pounds per gram, pounds per gram, and and how much faster you will go. As we said at the start, like power to weight ratio by saving a kilo. I mean, a kilo is hard to save. Yeah. I mean, going from an alloy to a carbon frame won't save you anything like a kilo. Mm. Going from alloy to carbon wheels, alloy to carbon bar, same with a crank, you might get close to a kilo with if you change all those things. Mm. And, you know, you're talking several thousand pounds for all those upgrades. I'm, I'm gonna, I am going to stick up a little bit for trying to save a bit of weight. For a couple of, one, you know, like the, the overall system weight is heavily dependent on the weight of the rider. So yeah. a lighter rider will notice a... 
you know, bigger proportional difference. Forty five weighs forty five kilos, half of what you do. Really? You know, so you know that the weight saving that you get on a bike is worth double what she gets. Totally. Um, and also, I, I think there is an element of how the bike feels to maneuver around, and mm-hmm. you know, a bike that is heavier, you know, does take more effort to move side to side. And I think you, you can if you if you rode a, an e bike. And then went and rode a cross-country bike. You know, the difference is, say, it's six, seven kilos. Yeah, it's probably going to okay. be more, more right, than okay. like no, Some no, e-bikes right, weigh 25 kilos. Let's, let's say a trail bike versus an, an e-bike, and you rode yeah. them both down the same bit of track. There is a noticeable difference in how the bikes feel. Totally. And But it's only a few percent. So I think that I, I think yeah, but but there you're talking about if you're talking about like an enduro bike might weigh twenty fifteen kilos and an enduro e bike might weigh twenty five. So you're talking about like ten kilos uh, difference. I was riding one yesterday, twenty two kilos, just under twenty two kilos for a one seventy one sixty mil enduro e bike. So yeah. yeah, we're talking six or seven kilos. That's quite a big difference. Like you're never going to save anything like that by just upgrading parts. Mm. Um, but also the the. Having a slightly heavier e-bike, or a much heavier e-bike, it's not necessarily a bad thing. No. Like, in some ways, it, it flatters the suspension. Yeah, yeah, totally. Be, yeah. Because the, the frame is more inert, basically, so it is bounced around less. Um, I, th- I think my point is that, that you know, that it, it, depending on, on the weight of the rider and the, the way you feel and, and, and how you perceive the feeling of the bike is, is relatively personal. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I'm, how you For ride. sure, I'm being reductionist by saying, mm. oh, you'll go X percent faster yeah. uphill with this. Um, in which case, like, you know, lubing your chain with a slightly better chain lube is going to mm. make way more difference than mm. saving um, a few hundred grams on your frame. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. As, a, as a value for money upgrade, I yeah. think chasing gram savings is really... Um, difficult and hard work and i think one of the worst for that is so people say that a a good way to save weight is a cassette a lighter cassette Mm -hmm. i think yeah there's something in that like they will probably shift better as well Mm. but if you're chasing grams you got to remember that that cassette will need replaced every year maybe if you ride a lot yeah yeah. if you ride really hard it might be more frequently than that so you it's not just the the extra money for a cassette it's like that money every every year year that you're spending it on yeah it's a lot a lot of money to save a few grams Mm mm-hmm I think one of the, you know, saving weight, but also improving ride quality, tubeless, that sort of thing probably is worth, you know, if you've got oh, a new totally. bike and it's not come tubeless. Just if you're tubeless, not running so. tubeless, yeah. yeah, you are. That's step one. Absolutely. Get your yeah. suspension set up, get your bars and levers set up, get your tubeless set up. Yeah. Because even if it's a faff, it's it's definitely worth it from a ride. Yeah, but not because it saves that much weight, more no. because it means you get less punctures yeah. and you can run lower pressures as yeah. a result. I think another way that's really a good way to spend money is to make your bike fit you better. Yeah. So a lot of bikes will come, you know, in, enduro bikes will still come with maybe a 50 mil stem and that'll work for some people. I'm not saying that's wrong, mm-hmm. but um, I think a lot of bikes handle better with a slightly different stem length to what they come with. Um Similarly, handlebars, you might want more rise or more back sweep or mm-hmm. whatever. Like those things that make the bike fit you personally tend to be a very good value for money upgrade, in my opinion. And whether it's a saddle, grips, handlebar, 
the, the issue kind of thing. with that is how how do you know what is say you've bought a new bike how do you know if that 40 mil stem or the 30 mil stem is going to be better than the 50 mil you know like there's a cost or a time cost in you know it's quite difficult to go and demo a new stem perhaps yeah that's a good point i guess you can borrow from mate yeah, you could maybe borrow one or... Just try them out, yeah. Yeah, or maybe even if you can, it might still be worth a punt. If your bike feels a bit stretched stretched out, you mm-hmm. struggle to get your weight off the back on a steep descent. Yeah, like trying a stem, because it, it can make so much difference. Even 10 mil difference mm. can honestly make a big difference to how it handles. Yeah, and even like the bar roll as well, you know, it's a nice and easy, cheap... Yeah, I mean, that's free, isn't it? Just yeah. adjust, adjust how the bar sits in the stem, adjust the bar height. All that stuff. But then if you get to a point where you're adjusting those things and you think, well, maybe you've tried the bar at its lowest. You've tried the bar with one spacer and you prefer it. You tried the bar with all the spacers underneath and you still prefer it. Well, you know, chances are that you're still not at the optimum. Mm-hmm. Chances are that you might want to even higher. So You kind of want to go too far and then come back to it. Yeah, you only know you're in the right ballpark once you've gone too far. Mm-hmm. Like if 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 higher is better and highest is best, then you know maybe you could you could use a higher rise bar to give you a, a range of adjustment which is more appropriate for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that all the time. Like being quite tall, um, most extra large bikes have pretty much the same head tube length as a medium or a large, mm. and yet because I'm you know ten twenty centimeters taller than someone riding a medium or a large. You know, the bars are often, often quite low for me. So if I put a, a 40 mil rise handlebar on there, I feel way more comfortable in, in many cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of thing, like, you know, 50 or 100 quid for a half decent handlebar can make a huge difference to yeah. how, how comfortable I feel on the bike. Would you say it's worth spending big bucks on a handlebar? I personally would never bother with a carbon handlebar. It's, it's just about the shape yeah, it's about getting the bike to fit you. So it doesn't have to be an expensive stem. Like I've tested loads of stems, and they're all pretty much the same. Just get a, a decent stem that you know is the right length. If it's yeah. the right length, it's You're a good right. stem. Yeah. Um, same with bars. If it's the right width and the right rise, mm-hmm. it's it's probably a pretty good bar. Mm. Um, and similarly, things like saddles, finding finding the those those um, those components that fit you best will make a huge difference to your ride experience i think the thing with bars is you know always go and buy an 800 because you can always cut it down right yeah i think so i mean it's a bit of a faff but it's better than having bought a 760 and then having your hands hanging off the end of it yeah 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 you can always cut it down and and you can even you can even experiment with uh if you have like dual collar grips oh yeah you can try just moving them inboard a little bit mm-hmm. obviously you've then got bar sticking out in the grip so it's pretty dangerous to go ride seriously but you can ride around the car park and see how yeah, it feels yeah, yeah. and you can like swap quickly back and forth and decide yeah which fits you better i mean you could even run them hanging off the end a little bit again just for that car park test you know if, you, if you've got a 760 bar or a 770 bar or whatever it is and you want to see what it might be like to have a, an 800 yeah just sort of swivel the grips off the end ride it around the car park don't do anything gnarly with it See how it feels. Yeah, with single with single collar grips, you can hang them off the end. Mm. Um, and yeah, to be honest, I've ridden like that. Yeah. Uh, with um, because you've still got the protection of the grip. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're more likely to damage the grip, but mm. you can see what it would feel like to have a wider bar. And then if you prefer it, it's Go got to, it's got to be worth buying a wider bar if if that's what fits you better. Yeah. 
yeah, getting your bike to fit you is top priority. Wicked. So should we have a quick recap? Okay, so the things we've mentioned are cleaning and lubing your drivetrain. Yeah. Like and using a good quality chain lube. Getting your tire pressures right and maybe buying a, a digital pressure gauge to 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 help with that. Um, getting your suspension set up properly and serviced regularly so it lasts longer and performs better. Getting yourself tubeless tires, obviously, but you know, a set of tires that suit the style of riding you do. And anything that helps your bike to fit you better, so things like saddles, bars, stems, uh, to get the shape of the bike right for you. Um, you can't, you, you know, it's hard to to have a better uh, bang for your buck than doing that. Wicked. Oh, that's and, a good starting point, isn't it? Yeah, I, oh. think, I think there are good things to get on with. Was there an and? And maybe uh, save your money on the carbon wheels. Yeah, save your money on the carbon wheels, put fresh bed sheets in. Oh, yeah, obviously. Always. You could buy a lot of bed sheets for that. You could. You could. Maybe not real posh ones, but... <laughs> How posh are your bed sheets? You've got envy bed sheets. Egyptian cotton. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Um, there's some cheap and easy hacks to make your bike a little bit better than it was. Wicked. Yeah. Hope Thank you get something out of that. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the Bike Rider podcast. Uh, we'll be back next Monday with another one. Whatever that might be. Because <laughs> we're recording these months in advance, which is very good of us. Well done, us. Thank you very much. Bye for now. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.